welcome you into the Retirement Plan Playbook. We've got the group all here, Brent, Matthew, Joshua. We have a great show for you today. We're going to break down some of the retirement trends over the next 10 years, but before we get started into those trends, my thought is, and the question I have is, is what do you guys think of the sports restart this year? Does it feel sort of like tournament play or does it almost kind of feel like a regular season? I like it. It does feel like tournament play for NHL and NBA. I, I like baseball and baseball has been a, a little different. It, it's cool what they're doing and, and baseball is proving that, I mean, they've had a couple of hiccups, but for the most part, you could play in your home market just without fans. But the, just the scheduling is weird, how like the AL West and NL West are only playing each other. So I feel like you're seeing some weird things in the standings. Like the Twins are a good team, but they're in probably the weakest division, so they're beating up on everybody. But in general, yeah, I love it. I'm fun watching it. I feel like baseball is the most natural sport to watch. It almost feels the most normal than sort of basketball. kind of looks like a video game. And hockey, just you could really tell it's not an actual game or like the old structure. You get that feeling, Josh? Yeah, it's. I really like it being back. Like, I love that there's sports on and I can watch sports and, you know, your favorite athletes or your favorite teams are back on. Like, I really, really enjoy it. But it all just looks different. Like, and it all kind of feels like a tournament or something's just not right. So watching it is just, you know, a little different for me. But like I said, I, I am enjoying it. And I'm also just very interested on how they're handling all of, you know, if there is a small outbreak or someone tests positive and making sure they're keeping it within the, you know, their bubble or, or restricting it from spreading. So very interesting to see how they're evolving as this continues to go on. And I hope that they can stay on top of it because I do like that it's back. I think that's kind of a less talked about point in all of this right now. You know, everyone's so emotional about COVID. It's become politicized. But what's fascinating is just really the adaptability of businesses and sports and how they're handling things. I mean, is that fascinating to you also, Matt? Yeah, it, it's it's really neat to see how, how the sports leagues have actually, in a way, been the leaders in, in what to do. Um, especially the NBA has done a tremendous job. Um, as has actually, it doesn't get talked about because the sport's not popular, but the NHL's bubble has actually probably been better than the NBA's bubble. Um, what the NHL did was really cool. So, yeah, it, it's it's cool. It's neat. It's neat seeing the sports leagues lead the country back. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice distraction, too, to have on, you know, because they have sports on during the day. They have games running pretty much all day, all night. It's neat to have sports on and to be able to kind of take a break from the monotony of what has been this year. The other thing, too, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, football season coming up in a couple weeks now will be kicking off NFL, and um, they're having fans in stands in in select areas. So who, who was it announced? Kansas City Chiefs announced that they were going to have, I believe, 25% of fans in the stands. And then MLS is allowing fans in the stands, too. And uh, I think it was it Dallas that had 20%, Josh, or 5,000 fans there? 5,000 fans. Yeah, Dallas versus, Dallas versus Nashville did. Yeah. So that, that was good to see that they're already getting you know some fans in the stands and no negative news after those games that were played with the fans in the stands either. Yeah. What's going to be weird is, you know, we're watching like a football game. It's Monday Night Football. Kansas City Chiefs are playing someone. And like the stadium's like at 20% capacity. So it's going to be really weird to see that. So. Yeah. And, and like baseball's handling the sound with 
you know, they're using speakers and they're using basically, you know, fake sound. So I wonder if football will implement the same thing with crowd noise or, or how they're going to do it. But it's, it's interesting. They should, or there's going to be no home field advantage. Right. And it's what they simulate in practices too, right? Yeah. With the noise movement, you know, who's probably really excited for football season this year. Probably first time they've had a home field advantage in decades is the chargers. I was going to say, I was going to say that 20% fans looks like a summer baseball game anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly Uh, feels good to have sports back on. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the headlines. Uh, Gold is up 27% this year and hit a new all-time high. Should retirees invest in gold? No, they shouldn't, Brent. But no, joking aside. Sure, anything less than 5% of your retirement account, that, that could make sense. But for me, I would, uh, if I was going to make a, an investment, I would just rather do Bitcoin, right? Gold is a, is a rock. It has no useful purpose in the world um, other than the instrument of speculation. At least there's some technology behind Bitcoin, and it's a cool way to transfer money internationally. And it could potentially be a, safe store currency for countries that have volatile currencies. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only a few ways that you can really invest in gold. I mean, there's several, but the main ones are coins, bullions, and really through ETFs. Yeah, most people are going to do it through ETFs. My thoughts on gold. I'm, it's just so crazy that like through these volatile times that the gold commercials start coming back. Uh, you know, I was watching TV and now there's like, gold commercials pitching to buy gold and talking about all the benefits. Um, so I was just interested on like what the rate of return was of gold. And I, you know, since 1915, the rate of return of gold is 4.3%, the annual rate of return of gold. And adjusted for inflation, it's 1.1% since 1915. So like, ask yourself first, if you're investing in gold, why are you doing it? I mean, is it for the return or you're speculating? Because the return history doesn't really show that great of a story. You really adjusted for inflation only getting 1.1%. And then also gold doesn't pay any dividends. There's no product. There's no revenues. There's no prof- profits like, you know, investing in stocks and, and mutual funds have. And like Matt said, it's just a rock. So, you know, should you, my take on this, should you, like Matt said, um, is, is no, just you know, research gold more than, than uh, before you actually buy it. I saw a silly Bloomberg article the other day saying that you should throw out the bonds in the 60-40 portfolio. So it's 60% stock, 40% bonds. And it should be 60% stock, 40% gold, which is the, the dumbest thing. I, <laughs> probably the dumbest thing I read this year besides these COVID slash post office takes that I see all going all over the internet. But uh, it's, you're absolutely right, Josh, on the performance. 10-year performance of gold is at, is at 4.5%. But, uh, and the 10-year performance of a bond fund the Barclays aggregate, the kind of bond index everyone uses is 3.6%. So about 1% less per year. But with gold, the drawdown is 40%. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it's, like, it's way too volatile. And, you're, and like, a lot of people talk about using it like as a hedge, but like then you're just increasing the volatility, right? So that, again, factor is debunked. We lived through a pandemic fear in March and April. What people want is toilet paper, paper towels, bleach, and food. <laughs> they don't want gold. That's a good point. <laughs> they don't want a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, what people are generally selling on these commercials are the coins and the bullions, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the one I was watching, sorry, sorry, one I was watching, it was like, and then you can give that to your children. Like, it, it, it incorporated, like, that technique of, like, you know what, it's physical, and then you can give it to your children. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Right, but when you go buy these coins or these bullions, you're going to pay a premium because, you know, there's going to be this fee and that fee to store the coin or get the coin and ship the coin. You're paying a premium for it. And then when you go sell it, you're never going to get market price when you sell it. There's going to be a cost to sell it. So like once you factor in all the cost of exchange and just hold and then having to hold a coin in a bullion, like I think that's another factor. Like you yeah. said, that's a great point. But like then storing it, you're you're gonna want to buy a safe, right, or something to hold it in, so it doesn't get stolen or you don't lose it. And there's just another layer of fees that you're gonna have to pay or a price you're gonna have to pay to even store it or hold it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people try to to purchase these in their retirement accounts. Example, their IRA. And then starting at 59 and a half, you have requirement of distribution. So how do you take out a distribution from a rock? You know, so <laughs> it, it creates another complication that the money has to come out of somewhere else. So to me, it just seems like a fear factor, an old school philosophy, probably better ways to, to close that gap and to make you feel a little bit more secure. I agree. Just buy Bitcoin. Better returns, <laughs> better story. <laughs> I guess that could be a topic for another show. <laughs> Uh, the next headline, both Apple and Tesla announced stock splits. Apple is doing a four for one split. Tesla is doing a five for one split. And owners of Apple will have four times the amount of shares that they had the day prior. But obviously their shares will be worth four times less. Uh, what's your, your thought on this split, Matt? I think people get way too excited about stock splits. Um, it's cool because, yeah, sure, you own more shares. But at the end of the day, it's like breaking a pencil in half. So you have a pencil, you break it in half. Well, now you have two pencils, but it's still the same length when you put them back together. And so, you know, if you had 10,000 invested in Tesla and Apple, when the split is happening, well, the next morning, you're still going to have that 10,000 invested. You just have a few more shares. Um, And I I think it's a big mistake that uh, novice or inexperienced investors make is that they look at a share price of a company and judge the company as being expensive or inexpensive. And so that's why people get really excited. Josh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it was, I, I was using an, you know, an example or analogy like Matt did with the pencil. I think of it like as a pizza, you're cutting just more slices into the pizza. So you're eating the, the, the same amount of pizza. You could just be taking more slices out of it. And that was the wow. analogy I thought of when, uh, when I that's thought a, of stocks. But that's a great one, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that. Maybe I'm just hungry. That's what I'm thinking about pizza. But I, I'm the same way. You know, it's not really fundamentally changing anything of value to the company. Um, so, you know, again, do your research here. Uh, stock splits doesn't, you know, make it any different the the company at that point is just making it more um, affordable to buy the share um, and so you know which could be a good thing absolutely for um, you know entry-level investors who weren't able to afford a share before uh, but now there's also you know different platforms that you can buy fractional shares of companies and stuff too so does the stock split even mean that much anymore at all um, so that's just kind of my thoughts. And um, is it a good time to invest? If you couldn't before and you wanted to invest in Apple or Tesla, um, but now it's more affordable and you can, then I think you should pull the trigger. I do think it's good. I agree from the psychological standpoint because it does seem more approachable when shares are 100 or 200 a share compared to you know a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that does probably need to split their shares because everybody uses it and it's probably a, a good 
just overall buy for a portfolio is Amazon. Where Amazon is, it's a retailer. It's really just like a Walmart, but they do it online. They probably should do like a 10 for one split, at least get those shares to around $20, $30 a share. I guess what's the new reason that companies would want to do stock splits, considering that many investors can buy fractional shares on a lot of these platforms now, where, you know, whether their stock price is $300 or $3,000, I mean, you can buy a fractional share. So where, where's the value in splitting nowadays? I'm not really sure why from the corporate finance angle, why the corporations want to split their shares. Because uh, at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean anything. I mean, maybe they get a little bit more enthusiasm from the individual investor base when their stock price is lower. I, th- I think also uh, like liquidity. That's like, true. You know, on the liquidity side, if you're, you're selling stock, it's e- also... It's easier to buy. We talked about everyone buying at a lower price, but there's also the other side of that transaction that the seller is able to liquidate on an easier basis if all the shares aren't $1,000 a share. So I think that's also probably one of the other reasons why. That makes a lot of sense. Good point, Josh. And we've seen a massive run on the prices of Apple and Tesla as they've announced these splits. Is that just sort of the market or investors not really understanding the meaning of splits? Is that part of it or why, why such a massive run? I, I think part of your answer is correct. It's, it's the not understanding, but you actually have to get in by a certain date to get the split. So these, these people are probably hoping to, to jump in get, and then get the split. But I believe if you do it after a certain date, let me get the date for Apple. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I can't. on the 31st. Yeah, it splits on the 31st, but I believe you have to be in a week before to right. get the split. So that's probably why they're bidding them up. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But like you said, there's probably a lot of companies that are, could be doing splits and Amazon's one of them, you know, and Google, um, Facebook, Netflix, Netflix split. I think when Apple had split in the past, right? I don't know if Netflix is ever, split. but you know, maybe they don't look at um, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, right. never had a stock split, right? They see the value in having that high price. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the retirement planning corner. Uh, let's discuss a few retirement trends for the next 10 years. Go through all three of our trends. Matt, what's your trend? Sticking on the, the common stock theme, I, I, I do think one thing we're going to start seeing in the next 10 years is more retirees getting into common stock trading. It's kind of starting to feel like the late 90s out there, um, where a lot, a lot more people are interested in learning about stock trading. And I think that younger generation of, of retirees and potential retirees are going to demand uh, stock trading for their 401ks. Because right now for 401ks, you could really only do mutual funds. And in a way, mutual funds, like probably 95% of mutual funds are very outdated. Um, there, there's you know, a section of them that are very good. But for the most part, I think you know, we're going to see a big change in the, the 401k structure where hopefully they start allowing, you know, more common stocks. I know you could do self-directed if your plan allows it. You could get some stock in that way. But yeah, I, I think it's about to take off. Is it responsible for employers to allow employees to invest in individual stocks in their retirement account? Does that kind of then put the inexperience and the, their future at risk? Well, they already do in a way because they're making them just, they give them a menu of funds and say, go pick your retirement. But the argument could be stated that, you know, somebody who's an active manager in a mutual fund or picking a Vanguard fund is gives you a lot 
better probability of, of long-term success than somebody as an investor who's picking individual stocks who doesn't know much about the stock market. Absolutely. But what I think we're seeing is better access to information and people who want to research stocks are going to want to buy them in their 401ks. They're, they're going to you know, demand a, a more customized stock portfolio for a certain segment of people. I mean, there's so much research out there right now. I mean, StockTwits is a great website where you can learn a lot about the, what stocks are trending in the market. Uh, there's also Robinhood who has their, their trending section in the, on the app. And then I know we talked previously about the Reddit stock boards, Wall Street Bets. So there's just tons of information. And I, I just see stock investing really starting to explode. Yeah, you, you would think with our technology nowadays also that they should be allowing these, um, the accessibility to be in it in 401ks. I mean, it's people's money. They should be able to invest what they want. And as we've all seen, we've come a lo- through a, a lot of plans where they have mutual funds that have one and a half or percent or even higher uh, expense ratios and fees in it. That's not fair to the investor trying to save for retirement. So, you know, being able to, to buy stocks is probably very advantageous. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's just probably maybe somewhere in between just giving more options instead of not trusting like the end investor in a 401k account, but like, you know, giving more specialty options within that menu of mutual funds, like to where you can go out and buy and Matt, you've talked about it, like just the tech industry, right? And you want to have exposure or more exposure in your investment portfolio in your 401k to the tech stocks. Well, you should probably maybe be able to do that, right? Wouldn't that be a nice feature within your 401k? And I think as investors do learn more, there's more information out there. There's going to be more pushback even to the employer or their, their lineup of mutual funds that they're going to want to have more options. One thing too you talk about is we're, we're going back to the stock splits. You talk about Tesla. Tesla is one of the largest companies in the U.S., but it's it's not in the S&P 500. So if you have an S&P 500, you know, tracking fund inside of a 401k, those people aren't getting to invest in Tesla. I'll read the top five funds that own Tesla. It's iShares Momentum ETF. That's not in the 401k. Vanguard International Growth, which I don't know why that uh, Tesla is an international growth fund. <laughs> Vanguard Extended Market, that's one I've seen in a lot of 401ks. And the Vanguard Extended Market ETF. So that's another one you can't even get in a 401ks. So, I mean, it's sad for these you know, retirees who aren't getting that access. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let's get into the next trend. Josh, what trend do you see retirees going through over the next 10 years? The trend I, I chose and, and researched a little bit was just more retirees working later in life and also working part-time through retirement. Um, we're already starting to see that trend with retirees when they retire or working later into their life. A lot of that has to do with just longer life expectancy, being healthier, um, also more education, right? You've, uh, more education we get, the more likely we'll maintain a job through retirement um, as well. And then a big portion of this is people just not having enough money saved, you know, um, in their retirement plan to be able to retire at a, an earlier age. And like the statistics prove it, um, the Department of Labor put out a survey that by 2026, um, Americans age 65 to 74 in the labor force will grow to about 30% when in 1996, it was 17%. So you're almost doubling the amount of 
you know, older retirees still working, you know, over the last, you know, 30 years. So the trend is we could already see the, in the numbers. And I think that that's going to continue to even increase in our country is that retirees will continue to either work full-time or part-time um, just for extra income to supplement that lack of savings. And because, you know, they're healthier and living longer lives. Um, so that's a trend that I continue to see going forward. Do you think that the COVID changes to the workplace allows retirees to work longer or to make these changes in jobs so they can work from home? It's not as stressful having to drive as far or get to the office where they can extend their career a few extra years? Yeah. And I think it naturally already pushed a lot of people just kind of being nervous that we're retiring this year, right? It's going to push that growth rate of people working longer even further because of COVID, because a lot of people are putting off retirement due to the you know pandemic. So I think that you're right, though. And I agree with what you just said, that the climate and how the work environment's changing will lead for older you know, Americans to continue to work because it's more favorable. We don't have to get up and drive for I was driving 45 minutes to work every day or, you know, work at home schedules are really going to help people be able to work longer if they have, if they have to or want to. I work with a client who uh, is, a, is a sales executive and uh, her and her husband lived in California two years ago. They bought their retirement home and moved to Utah and she was working. She's still working. She's working virtually now. And she told me when she was about to leave California, she said, Matthew, I'm going to retire, you know, next year. I'm going to go up to Utah, work virtually for a little bit of time. And then I'm pulling the plug, but she's so happy up in Utah, like retirements, you know, three years now later, she hasn't even retired yet. Retirement's not even in her, her thought process anymore. So. Yeah. And I think we've seen a lot of people on the onset of COVID at the first half of this year that they did just sort of like, okay, I was going to retire next year anyway, so I'm just going to retire. But I could see a lot of those people going back towards their passion job or, or going back to work in uh, an at-home position. And as things start to settle off where they may say, you know what, I still have the abilities to work. I still want to work. I still want to make some extra money. And now that I have the abilities to do it at home, you know, it's not as challenging as it once was going to the office. They might enjoy it actually more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Fascinating to see these changes in, in the involvements. Uh, a trend that I see is one that I think will possibly start to happen over the next several years, and that's a larger gap between the middle and the lower class retirement. More than likely, you would think that Social Security is going to need some type of reform. They're going to need to make some changes. Right now, full retirement age for anybody born after I think somewhere in the 50s is going to be 67. And so if full retirement age is 67, life expectancy based on that, what happens, you could start to really see where Social Security's full retirement age is more than likely going to have to at some point be 70, or else the pool of money within Social Security would potentially be at risk. And your wages actually impact how much you're going to get from Social Security. So people are having to possibly work longer. But what I think the concern really starts to come in is, now that pensions are really being fizzled out from so many jobs across the board, that the only place people are able to close the gap between their income and their expenses is through their retirement savings, like 401ks or their 403bs and their contributions to their IRA. Because a lot of people who had different jobs before had social security and pension. So that, that was able to provide enough income for them. But with that pension factor being gone, 
and then social security now getting extended out, it means that people now have to, to have the knowledge and the extra money to be able to save more, invest properly, and have enough by the time that they get retired. But already people who have lower wages or lower income already have, don't have enough disposable income to save enough. So how are they going to actually close that gap where when they retire, that, if, if social security is possibly going to be less, how are they going to close the gap between their income and expenses at that point? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting, interesting point. I mean, that's one of the things that a lot of the retirement researchers are, are saying is going to happen. The, you know, lower, the lower middle class is going to be in trouble when they get to the retirement age. As for Social Security, the wage base is too low. I believe you stop being taxed after you've made how much front is it? 30, 25, 32, 34, 40. No, No, the wage base that they tax individuals on, right? Because after you make a certain amount of money, you stop paying Social Security tax. Oh, yeah. They're going to get rid of that to refund. So like, a, like 127000 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. While, so that, while you're making wages. Right. So for, for high income earners, right, that really only lasts for half the year. And then that tax goes away. What they'll end up probably doing is just making that tax permanent. And then that'll fill up the Social Security uh, bucket, so to say, for the retirees. And there's nothing to say that they can't extend the re- full retirement age out a few years. You know, 67 is kind of like the placeholder right now. But if they keep creeping that out a bit, uh, you're going to force people to work longer. Now, for people who are saving, that may be okay. But for people who are, you know, generally, you know, 50% of all people who collect Social Security at 62, that provides a, a, a big challenge. They're not going to have very much income at retirement. No. And it goes right in line with, you know, the other trend of working longer. Like, what else are you going to do? You're going to continue to work even longer because, you know, you're not saving at the rate you should be. And Social Security is not going to be potentially until you're 67 or later. So, you know, those are compounding against you. <laughs> like, like, if you really have a goal to retire early or, you know, retire at, you know, at a pretty young age. And then, you know, it's, it's more of the, you know, living with the kids, right? getting helped mm-hmm. out by, by your children than if you want to retire early in the 60s, which, which is unfortunate, um, especially because a lot of these boomers are still taking care of the millennial kids who can't get started. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting 10 years there. Yeah, and I, I think what has to happen is there just has to be more emphasis put on putting more money into your 401k and stretching out that dollar as much as possible and making sure it's invested correctly because – how many times do you see where somebody has a 401k, but you know they don't really know what their money's going into, and it's sitting in the money market account, not doing anything because they just they never really looked at it and they thought somebody else was handling it. You know they can go 10 years and they've lost 10 years of returns on their money, and that's going to impact the retirement and and what they could be enjoying in retirement and, and now be struggling to just try and make ends meet once they retire. Yeah. And I think another trickle down effect with the 401ks is like through this pandemic, I'm seeing a, you know, a few clients that have mentioned that their employers are cutting back their match or cutting back, like, you know, not matching at all. And so like their first thought is then I shouldn't contribute to my 401k anymore. Right. And like, then that's again, increasing that gap that you're talking about of not having enough retirement savings going forward. Because the first thought is, well, if I'm, they're not matching, I'm not going to put anything in there. But that also is now lowering your savings rate hurting you know, your, your future. So I think that's another trickle down effect of what's going on right now and that gap you're talking about. Yeah. Over the last 30 years, we went from employers guaranteeing a pension for the rest of somebody's life to we're going to transition to a, a 401k, but we're going to match you 6% instead of having your pension. 
then to from 6% and okay, we're going to match 3% of your 401k contributions. Now we're seeing a lot of these <laughs> yeah. plans go to zero. So right. As it becomes harder, we're not helping you at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we covered everything to recovering nothing now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, let's get into the RPA recommends. We had uh, one of the, the people on the show want to go first. So Matt, what would you like to tell us about your first recommend? You know, I got a little feedback based on one of our last recommends. Uh, so I, I tried that Honey app that you guys were you know, talking about and hyping, and it didn't work for me once. So either I'm not using it correctly, or it has like a, you know, a hit rate that's probably under 10%. I, uh, I imagine it's operator error. <laughs> operator error or depending on the stores you're expecting it to use at or just kind of maybe uh i mean i i use i use it all over the internet because uh, my, my wife and i are doing a, a little bit of online shopping right now we were unsuccessful at every every store we tried but well, uh we we used it over the weekend and, and we did save money my wife uh i i showed my wife how to use it a couple of months ago once it started coming up on the show and she's been using it and, and been saving money anytime she's had to find it. You're not going to find stuff for every store on there, but definitely when it works, it, it's a, it's a great feature and you don't have to spend a half hour looking around for stuff, which is pretty cool. Well, here, here's the thing I'm going to do. I'll give it a go for another week. I'll give, actually I'll give it to the rest of the month, but if it hasn't saved me money by September 1st, I'm going to uninstall it. And reason why is would you ever think like, hey, why on earth is this app free? Like they're giving me discounts, blah, blah, blah. It's because they are selling your data. So they're selling your browsing data. So I, I'm probably cool on that, but we'll see. I mean, Your maybe... browsing data is already being sold in so many other different ways. And they do talk about it's a community. So other users are inputting, you know, yes. the codes and stuff for you. But you know what, Matt? I didn't think it was for you when I recommended it, and it's proving not to be. But I hope at least it saves you some money before September first. I I just want to try it out. I felt like I wanted to be part of the Honey Club. Um, but seriously, all right. Here's my recommends. Um, this is a short, sweet one. As long as you don't have pre-existing medical conditions, and if you've been locked up, you know, really social distancing since you know for most of the last six months. Find a safe place, you know, a restaurant, uh, a little trip. Go out there and do something. Because I, I think by now, if you've been following the rules, most people have fatigue. And so whether if it's just sitting at a restaurant for, you know, 30 minutes outside, you're not going to get COVID doing that. Um, going on a little road trip with your wife and family, probably not going to get COVID. Uh, do something. Get out. Get out of your house. Um, stay sane. Yeah, I completely agree. That goes right in line with mine. I'll come back to mine. Uh, Josh, what do you have? Mine's a little different, Matt. I'd like to uh, good recommends. Getting out is is good, and I, and I have to piggyback on that. But my recommends, what I thought I've been, I used it a couple times over the weekend. If people haven't been using it already, is the Venmo app. It's like a cash transfer app. Um, and use it with my family. Use it with friends. Use it with Matt when we book tea times. So you know, one person in our foursome pays for the tea time, um, and we gotta you know transfer money the old school way would just to be give them cash. But the Venmo app actually allows you to send money you know through the internet um to that person so just very useful uh makes things very convenient um you know when it, when you're even out to dinner with someone else and you got to split the check or someone just pays for it and you owe them money so venmo i know there's a bunch of other ones out there that do the same thing 
thing. That's just the one that I use primarily and definitely recommend uh, Venmo to anyone that needs to transfer money to, to anyone yeah, I'll else. Take the, I'll take the bill at the restaurant to get the credit card rewards and then you Venmo me. Oh, all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants the credit card points. <laughs> I, have, I have all these travel credit card points and I have nowhere to travel to. <laughs> well, take that, take that drive up the coast like you talked about and use those travel rewards. Well, I want it for airline tickets. That's where you save your money. That's how you fly, you know? Yeah. You don't buy airline tickets. Uh, my RPA recommend is right in line with yours, Matt. Uh, I took the family to the beach over the weekend. With the COVID fatigue, you know, a lot of people are staying in and some people aren't. But regardless of what your thoughts are really on how to be careful and how not to be careful, I could tell you this, by being outside and on the beach, most people are, are super responsible. It's spread out. People don't come near you. There's tons of wind. You know, it's, you, you have so much space in between you and somebody else. There's so much sand that it just feels amazing to be out, to be outside, to get fresh air and um, just to be doing something different. I'd highly recommend going to the beach. I felt very, very comfortable doing it. I've done it a few times now over the last couple of months. And, and I think, you know, with the heat that we're all having, or, you know, regardless of where you are, if you, you have lakes or you have the beaches, whatever it is, go outside, go sit out there. It feels great. It's very different than what the pictures of what they portray in the media are. Cause you see some of these pictures and there's like thousands of people on top of each other. It is none of that experience has ever been like that for me. Everybody's spaced out and nobody wants to come near each other. So you mean those fake photos that people send from 4th of July, 2016, and they make them go viral on the internet of some yeah. randomly packed beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like crowds on top of each other, like Photoshop people in on them. I mean, it's just, um, I only went one time and, and I, we took our dogs to the dog beach and it was not packed at all. And it was on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the hardest thing to do at, at a lot of these places now is just to get parking. So I would recommend if you are going to go, go early, get your spot, get set up, you know, don't fight that kind of crowd, get in early. That would be the one recommend if you are uncomfortable with any of those types of situations. But I agree with Matthew also, you know, with restaurants, if you're sitting outside, you have open air, it's probably pretty safe, you know, to do those things. And it makes you feel somewhat normal. So my recommend is definitely go to the beach and get outside. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Please give us a review on wherever you stream your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about us or read the show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. Thanks for listening. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.